Well, it's a joy to be with you again today, wherever this day finds you. And as I was reflecting on this day with my supervisor, Kay Reid, who um, pastored at Northern for a period of time, and I was talking to her about, you know, this week and being a, a week where I'm wrapping up some stuff to go on holidays, there was a hint of sadness as I spoke about going on holidays and, and not seeing you for four weeks. Now, while for some, that might be a cause for celebration, all I ask is that you keep that down to a dull roar until I'm out of earshot. Um, I will miss being with you, um, but for those who are listening on podcast or watching on YouTube, make sure if you have a look, I think the way they do it on YouTube is look down towards this um, corner on YouTube and you'll see a subscribe button. Um, if you subscribe to the messages on YouTube um, or if you make sure you're um, subscribing via podcast, then you're not going to miss some great messages in the weeks ahead. We have some great speakers coming up in the next month. Graham Hill, um, who is on the, the um, left-hand side of the screen, um, is the principal of Stirling College. He's the one with the shorter hair and the smaller ears. Um, uh, he and I met a number of years ago, in early 2000s. Um, Graham and I were the state youth uh, coordinators for, Graham was in Western Australia and I was in Queensland and uh, we met in our roles within the Baptist ministries um, in our respective states. Um, Graham is a fantastic thinker and I have learnt so much from Graham um, over that period when we were connecting together in that way. Philip Clay um, from Churches of Christ, Vic Taz, um, and a part of the leadership team there. Uh, if you were to scroll through Philip's Facebook page, there are four things that you will find he is passionate about. Jesus, the church's mission, food, and the Geelong cats. Only three of those things really matter. Um, then we have Lynette Leach, um, who is speaking as well. She is thoughtful, she is inspiring, and an all-round great person to spend time with. So you guys are in for a wonderful treat over the next four weeks. Um, if you missed last week's message, then I want to encourage you to take some time over the course of the next couple of days to listen to what Sam shared as she reflected on Matthew 4 and the calling of Jesus' first disciples and Jesus' invitation to each of us today. Jesus has a place for all people with all kinds of experiences to be a part of the mission of Jesus. And it's a great message. In that message, Sam referred to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, which says, From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, as Sam highlighted last week, this was not the only thing that Jesus preached or taught. Instead, it was a punchy sort of little summary, a critical thought, and the basis for everything else that Jesus taught. And over the next month and a half, we will be diving in for a better look at what Jesus meant when he said, the kingdom of heaven is near, 
when he was about in his teaching. One of the best known groups of um, messages or groups of Jesus' teaching is the Sermon on the Mount. It has some similarities to Luke's account of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6. Both have sections called the Beatitudes, with some parallels between the two. Luke's is shorter and a little bit sharper as well with a mix of blessings and woes. I'll take a moment to read from Matthew's account of this um, passage and we'll look a little bit more at the context and how we can also understand it in our lives today. By way of background, I'll start a little bit before Matthew chapter 5. I'll start at Matthew chapter 4 verses 23 and that will help to set the mood and, and some of the building momentum of the day. Matthew chapter 4 verses 23 through to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee teaching in the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease and illness. News spread about him as far as Syria and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem and all over Judea and from the east of the Jordan River. Jesus had already called several people to become his disciples. And while we discover in Luke chapter 10, there were at least 72 other disciples besides the 12, he specifically called um, some to be his disciples or apostles. So there's in a group of about 12. In Matthew chapter 4 and 5, we find Jesus with this growing band of disciples. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, it is the first occasion, uh, the first time that Matthew uses the word disciples to refer to those that Jesus specifically called to follow him. If Matthew's order is roughly right and in place, then Matthew, the tax collector, often thought to um, attribute to or uh, Matthew's account, the Gospel of Matthew is often attributed to Matthew the tax collector. He was not yet called to be one of Jesus' disciples. That comes a little bit later. But that doesn't mean he wasn't present on this occasion. But if he was, Matthew is yet to be called by Jesus to retire from his role as a tax collector um, and to follow Jesus. That happens in Matthew chapter 9. And then it's in Matthew chapter 10 that Matthew gives the account of Jesus setting aside, setting apart and empowering the 12 apostles or disciples. All that is to say that Jesus' ministry is starting to create a stir. Consistent with Jesus' manifesto, if we were to look at Luke chapter 4, Jesus is announcing the good news to people helping people to live their lives well. People's lives are being changed for the better, while others 
are keen for a good show. Word travels fast. And in Matthew chapter 5 we read, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. Verse 3 of Matthew 5. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and even persecute you and lie about you and say all kinds of all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be glad for great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. While the general area of where Jesus spoke, as shown in Ken Duncan's photo, can be quite beautiful, it's also quite rocky in places. That makes it challenging for the planting of crops, and it, but it does make it an ideal space for speaking to the disciples and the growing crowd. It enabled plenty of social distancing and no requirement to wear masks. Unfortunately, some have assumed that Jesus' teaching in the open was a, a rejection of the established religious systems and the synagogue of its day. Yet in Matthew 4 and in Matthew 5, we see the balance between the two. It is safe to assume that on the Sabbath, Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, Jesus would regularly attend Sabbath services and often teach in those services. But Jesus would also move out into the public realm, into the public areas, as would other rabbis. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, it tells us of Jesus sitting to teach. A rabbinic teacher's posture. To teach, you would sit. Whether it be on the side of a hill, or we also find Jesus teaching as he sits in a boat. The message of Jesus resonates with his audience in one form or another. In what feels like a call and response style of message, those experiencing poverty, mourning, stooped by the burden of their humble situation, hungering and thirsting for justice, persecuted, were met by God's promised blessing. Call and response. They were not forgotten. They were not overlooked by the creator of the universe. The eyes 
on, and the favor of God gently rested on each one of them and upheld those struggling with life. Those who feel as though, feel like the opportunities of life have passed them by. Their spirits are downtrodden and they sit in the dust of the earth trying to scratch out a meagre existence in any way that they can. God speaks words of blessing over them. The stuff of life is not all there is to life. Within is a treasure worth more than gold, a relationship with the creator of the universe. And they are heirs of the kingdom of heaven to be experienced throughout the promised eternity. The call of those who mourn was met by God, the God of all comfort. Mourning often lies beneath the surface. And as one carries around this silent pain, which wraps itself around one's soul. But in this deep place, we also find a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit of God, by invitation, makes a home within the life of every follower of Jesus, like a hot drink on a bitterly cold day. The warmth from within radiates out as the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus also calls the Comforter, does his work within, gently loosening the grip of grief, making way for hope and healing. The humble, those pushed to the margins, struggling to find their voice, those who wonder if their cries and their tears are heard, and will they ever find that they, uh, they will find favour with God? But will what they've lost ever be regained again? Here God speaks a blessing over them. They don't just regain what is broken, but they gain the whole earth the earth in its generosity, but also in its perfection and its abundance. There are those in the world that have influence, the means and the resources to be able to get justice for themselves. Then there are those, those who have parched and cracked lips, who are starving for justice. For those who hunger and thirst for justice, Jesus promises them that they will get their fill. Jesus is the righteous judge. More than a rule of law that you find in the courts, the justice Jesus offers brings fullness and satisfaction, nothing lacking in what it achieves. And then for a moment, let's skip down to verse 10. Those who are persecuted, not persecuted for being an idiot, not persecuted for doing stupid things, not persecuted for doing the wrong things, but persecuted for doing what is right, persecuted for taking a stand, 
ultimately persecuted for taking a stand with Jesus. They have reason to celebrate. They have reason to be happy and feel honoured. Not only because of who they are, but because of whose they are. They identify with Jesus. They are followers of Jesus and follow the will of God. They are marked by their decisions to stand with Jesus. And because they are identified as followers of Jesus, they are marked by their discipleship, their willingness to follow the one who went all the way to the cross for them. But for those who may feel forgotten, who may feel as though life is a challenge, it is so easy to feel alone. It's interesting that here in the Beatitudes, Jesus also calls for three attitudes, three calls to action, squarely focused on all the listeners. Three accessible things that can be acted on by all, regardless of their situation or circumstance. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. Mercy, purity, peacemaking. When people are struggling, how do they react to others? Sometimes it can be like a bear with a sore head. It can be easy to lack mercy, to think unkind or say hurtful things when we're in pain, to cause division and unrest uh, for those around us. But Jesus calls for those who are mourning, those who are humble, those who are treated unjustly, those who are persecuted. Jesus calls them, Jesus calls everyone to act with mercy purity of thought and action and to make peace in troubled times for they will experience mercy they will see god manifest in their situation they will be known as children of god last week we celebrated the life of bruce alcorn and we acknowledge that he in obedience to god started the ball rolling in establishing Northern, uh, Northern as a church. Churches um, with all their own ideas, all their own experiences, all coming together to become one. In reflecting on those early days, a lot of work went in by the team, including Ian Rumble and um, Lynn McCredden and many others. There was an investment in the development of what would shape the identity of Northern, our values, our character, our passion in following Jesus. Was it easy? Nope, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of work that went into those times. Even before it was called Northern, even before we moved to this building, it's no coincidence that here 
Soon after Jesus calls his first followers, and as momentum is building, Jesus pauses to give the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus declares the kingdom of heaven is near. That Jesus, as king, is establishing, is unveiling the reign of the kingdom of God. But what are the themes? What are the values? What's the manifestation of this kingdom of heaven? Today, we have nations with their anthems, their flags, their languages, their cultures, their favorite foods, um, all go to define their own identity. But what defines being a part of the kingdom of heaven? What does it look like to be a part of God's kingdom? being a part of Jesus' kingdom, with Jesus as king. Jesus calls people together at the start of his ministry with fledgling disciples as his audience, gathered around. Jesus tells them and those that are also listening in, this is how we are going to live. These are the priorities that we will own. These are the distinctive character traits that people will see in you. As a result, they will recognize that you are part of this citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. They will see you in what you do, the way you live, the way you speak, the way you act. They will see you as following me. And so to us, today. As we continue in our desire to better understand what it means to live life well in our choice to follow Jesus, even today we are called to incorporate the values of the kingdom of heaven in our lives, through our life. And while we might live in or experience challenges that are outlined in Matthew chapter 5 verses 3 to 12, how do we go being sensitive to and supporting or caring for others going through tough times? We pray a prayer, a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. May May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we live out the Sermon on the Mount, when we, uh, as followers of Jesus, value what Jesus valued, when we seek to demonstrate these qualities, We are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God and have a hand in the realization, the manifestation of the kingdom, God's kingdom in our world, in our home, in our families, in our workplaces and in our schools. It's as if we capture some of the essence of the kingdom of heaven and usher it in to find a place here and now. How exciting is that to be able to help usher in the kingdom of heaven in our space?
So a brief return to the Beatitudes as we wrap up. Who do you know who is poor? And how may you help them practically? But also, how may you help them discover that there is a treasure deep within them as they follow Jesus through a relationship with Jesus? That the seeds of the kingdom of heaven are planted within them. Do you know someone who is mourning? How might God use you to bring comfort? Who do you know that has been humbled and pushed to the margins? How can you support and help them to find their voice and be heard? Who do you know has been treated unjustly? How might you advocate for them and help them to find justice? Who do you know that may be experiencing persecution because of their relationship with Jesus? How might you encourage them to stand firm in their faith and know God's favour? How might you show mercy? How might you pursue purity and avoid being tainted by evil? How might you work for peace in our world, in our nation, in our state, in our suburb, in our street, our workplace or home? Let me pray. Jesus, help us to do all that we can out of love. Not to fulfill some requirement of the law or to feel as though we've got a box to tick. Lord, protect us from being a creaky gate because we do what we do without love. But help us to live out the values of the kingdom of God, your kingdom, your reign, your influence through our lives, based and saturated in love. Love for those that we love and those that we find at times unlovable because of their actions, their behaviours, the things that they may do that turn us on edge. Lord, it's easy for us to love the lovable. It's easy for us to love those that are able to do things okay by themselves. But Lord, help us to press into those situations where you call us. You, you long for us to live out the values of the kingdom of heaven through our lives, to usher it in, to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in the spaces where you call us. In Jesus' name, amen. So how might we respond today? Well, my encouragement is I want to invite you to prayerfully go through the Beatitudes again. They're on the screen. And I want you to invite the Spirit of God to quicken in you one of those that you believe God might be calling you to respond to, to take hold of, to reflect on further and to live out in your life. Then offer your loving Saviour a prayer of response as you seek to follow Jesus and to see God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. As I mentioned earlier, some music will be played. I encourage you to take out those response